Welcome to the Parenting with Confidence podcast. I am your host, Teresa Alexander Inman, board certified behavior analyst and infant toddler developmental specialist. Today, I would like to welcome Mr. Isaiah Cruz. <laughs> Isaiah is a board certified psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner who specializes in addiction medicine. He has experience with depression, anxiety, bipolar, schizophrenia, heroin addiction, cocaine, meth food and porn addictions. You have a tough job, my friend. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, yeah, so I, uh, I, I've been doing addiction medicine for about the last six, six, six years or so. And it started with like opiate addiction, because that's, that's pretty prevalent. And uh, more recently transitioned to alcohol and pornography addiction. And it's really, it's, I call it the hidden epidemic because you'd be astounded how many people watch pornography on a regular basis and don't realize that how, how much of a hold it has on them. Yeah, it is so true. And like you said, it's hidden. Cause I remember years ago, I, I went to visit a colleague and we were about to do some exercising, you know, when beach bodies was really like, you know, in the early mm -hmm. stages. Mm -hmm. So we put in beach body as opposed to beach bodies or one of them. Yes. Yeah. It's you got to be careful. Yeah, definitely. I thought, wow, I didn't realize how, you know, and I guess I've heard that they've made it really easy. So common misspellings mm. lead to porn. Yeah. Yeah. So what kind of dangers are children in with something like that? Because they're not going to always spell. I mean, I misspelled right. this site. Yeah. What about our children? Yeah, absolutely. So the average age of first exposure to pornography is 11 years old. Yeah. And by, by age 14, 94% of children will have been exposed to porn. And like you said, oftentimes it's, it's innocent. They misspell something or, or just curious. They heard a word and they're just curious about it. So they Google it and come to find out it leads them down to wrong, a wrong path. Uh, so that, that's, uh, that, that's, that's a danger in itself because the kids, kids aren't, as you know, your developmental specialists, they're not prepared to handle the type of dopamine release and the type of things that are involved in pornography. I always say when I was a kid, pornography was the playboy magazine of mm -hmm. a topless woman yeah. and, and you know we didn't have access to it you would go my we went to my friend's uncle's house and found like a pornography under like the kitchen or the bathroom sink or something like that mm -hmm. and it would be like six months before we would go back or something like that and that would be the highlight or not the, high, the height of pornography exposure for for when i was a kid uh but that's a lot different now to, uh, compared to what kids are doing now. Like a topless woman, yeah, it is pornography. And, and yes, children should be exposed to that. But that's nothing compared to what they're being exposed to now. They have unlimited access to the most hardcore porn there is. And these pornography websites, they don't have age verifications. So it's, it can do, it, you can just like click, yes, I'm 18. That's it. That's the only verification they have. So as a part of our campaign, I treat pornography addiction, but also one of my long-term goals is to help solve that problem. So I'm a nurse, a nurse practitioner. I believe, you can't quote me on this, but I believe it's Under Armour who gives a nurse's discount for their website. But in order to do it, you have to go to id.me 
put in your name, driver's license, nursing license, do all of this stuff to get a code to get 5% off at Under Armour. <laughs> like, why can't they do that at adult websites to verify who's watching that? And, and that's going to protect the children oh, so, so, so much more. Yes. Is there a way that we can petition that, you know, for legislation? Yes. To do yeah. That? There was a, there's a country in UK that, that has successfully made that a law that they have age verification before, um, uh, before entering an adult website. So uh, it is possible. And, and I believe there are some um, people already working on that, but I'm definitely going to do my best to support that because that's, yeah. that's a must. Yes, absolutely. And honestly, if there's anything I can do, because like I told you, I worked at a center, uh, Department of Juvenile Justice facility. It was a maximum security facility for juveniles. And so part of the one section was for serious offenders, like children who had murdered people and all of that. And then the other section was a sex offender unit. And through working there, we found that some of the, the children who were in the program had been exposed to porn when they were three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And I thought, oh my Lord. And then they perpetrated sexual offenses, one on a baby. You know, he was, I think he was seven and he did this to a baby. And I think when we got him, he was like, I think he might've been the youngest, maybe nine or 10 years old when he came to the facility. And I thought he himself is a baby. And, you know, this exposure to porn, you know, has rewired his brain. And here he is now facing serious charges. So... So oftentimes I, 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 that's not the first time I've heard stories like that. I, uh, I was, a, uh, my wife and I did foster care. Uh, we had for about six years, I had about 15 different kids come through our home. And as a part of the training for that, you hear all kinds of stories and it's very good educational stuff. But um, uh, there, I, I told you the average age of first exposure is 11, but mm-hmm. uh, uh, get this, the um, one, is it one third of all Pornography consumed by pediatrics is consumed by children under 10. So that's, I'm sorry, I said one third, it's one fifth, 20%. 20% of all pornography consumed by pediatrics are under 10. So that's like seven, eight, nine year olds. And that's just, it's it's phenomenal. People, it, it, it blows just mind blowing. It is. It's horrifying, really, when you think about it. Then what happens? So what is the, what what's the effect of exposure early exposure on a child's brain there's a lot of different different aspects so just like with any addiction um you you do that activity your brain releases dopamine every time dopamine is released your brain creates a new pathway to think about doing that activity again because it liked it well doing that hundreds of times and even thousands of times rewires your brain to to uh, to be more impulsive but more it, it becomes an compulse a compulsion uh so casket of the brain a casket of an addict's brain they physically look different because of this this rewiring that takes place uh that's one and because of the prolonged exposure to dopamine there's something called dopamine down regulation so your brain's not made to operate in a high dopamine sen- uh, section all the time right mm-hmm. so you're constantly being, being bombarded with dopamine your brain says this is too much so what it does is starts turning off dopamine receptors 
So to to help reduce the amount of dopamine absorbed. Mm -hmm. Well, that, that one, it it reduces your overall dopamine intake, makes you more depressed. So as a result, it directly leads to depression. And then you have the tolerance aspect. So your, your brain is used to high, high bursts of dopamine via pornography. Well, what happens when you go hug, hug a family member? You're supposed to get dopamine from that. But if the dopamine from hugging a family member is minuscule compared to how much that comes out of porn, you don't enjoy life as much, the, the, the pleasurable, healthy parts of life that you're supposed to enjoy is, is less meaningful because of it. So that's, that's like the brain activity behind it. Then you have uh, the social as- aspect of it, the shame and the guilt behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was exposed to uh, porn at 10 years old. And I remember it vividly because uh, it did kind of change my life. I knew it was wrong. I didn't know why, but at 10 years old, I knew deep inside me, mm-hmm. I should not be doing this. But I was a 10 year old boy and I liked it. So I was like, yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh, but I, if somebody would have told me, this is why I tell parents, define pornography for your kids. Because yes. they don't have the words for it. They don't have a vocabulary to define what pornography is. So define it for them. And then tell them what to expect, like what you expect out of them when they are exposed. I expect you to define it, turn around and come tell me about it. And make sure there's no shame involved. Make sure mm-hmm. the parent doesn't get angry because the kid will realize, okay, I can't, I, I can't trust them now because you flipped out because they were exposed to porn at the neighbor's house. Now you flipped out and called the, the neighbor's parents. Well, that just tells the kid that you can't be trusted now with, with that mm-hmm. type of information. And oftentimes I'll tell parents to talk to your kids, debrief them because, okay, I'm sorry that you were exposed to that. How did that make you feel? What was going on? Did your tummy get upset? Like it, it, it was like something in your chest, just uh, oftentimes that's like something in my chest just didn't feel right. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's your conscious. That's telling you, uh, you don't know that you, 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 deep down inside your body knows that this is not okay to do. And that and it's your body's way of telling you that. Um, and listen to that feeling. So then the, um, there's this, uh, going back to the shame and guilt behind pornography, that um, shame and guilt leads to depression, isol- social isolation, loneliness, um, and then sexual expectation, uh, much like what you talked about before. Um, a lot of teenagers supplement their sexual education with pornography. Mm-hmm. And you and I know that that's not realistic. They're, they're called porn actresses and actors for a reason mm-hmm. because it's not real and it's nor, nor is it supposed to be. So um, nine out of 10 pornography videos has aggression or violence towards women. So this teaching young women that it's okay to, ha- to have an aggressor or, mm-hmm. or, or, or some type of violence and it's teaching young boys that women like the violence and aggression and that's just not okay. Wow, they're just, it's just all negative, you know? I just, and I'm just hoping, because I remember once, you know, speaking to one of the young men in the program and his, he watched it with his uncle and the uncle said to him, you know, come on, you got you know, like, this is so you learn. And I'm like, he right. says, he didn't need to learn that then. Right. And again, later it became a problem. And I mean, I, I, there were some more horrifying situations that I wouldn't even go into right now because I don't want anybody judging anybody because, again, 
everybody operates, I believe, to the best of their abilities. Mm-hmm. And because you can't love somebody and then expose them to something like that unless you thought it would do them good. I'm just hoping, you know, I'm going to look through rose colored glasses right now and stay yeah. there. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's just really sad that, you know, and I think too, it's not looked as a, on as a serious offense. I right. think in some ways they think it's benign. Like, you know, how common is it to see a woman's breasts on TV now? Very, very. I was doing a podcast with somebody and uh, he said, he told me, Isaiah, there's nothing wrong with porn. I watch porn. And, and I, I said, okay, I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to say porn is bad or porn is good. I can give you some, some objective data and let you make that decision. Mm-hmm. So porn, and this is what I told him. I said, uh, pornography is the third most common form of sex trafficking in the United States, according to the human national trafficking hotline. So that means some of the people you watch on pornography videos aren't willingly there. Right. And how does that make you feel? And of course, this gentleman, we changed the subject shortly after because that's pretty uncomfortable to, to, to face that fact. And um, so there are some objective data. And, and like, to reiterate, I'm not here to judge anyone or, or tell you porn is bad. But there, before you consume porn, consider, consider all aspects of it. And if you still want to consume porn, great. It doesn't bother me. Um, so there are some, like I said, there's some objectively things that people should know before they consume. That, um, like I said before, there's, there's a lot of violence towards women yeah. in, in pornography. Wow. And then there, you know, there's a sex trafficking, human trafficking, things like that. Um, and then, then, you know, how pornography leads to depression. Things mm-hmm. like that. So there's some things to consider before a person consumes porn. Absolutely. And honestly, I had no idea. Like, I mean, you're just breaking it down so nicely for me because I didn't know, even though I worked in a sex offender unit, I had no clue that, you know, with the, uh, and I get the sex trafficking. I also worked in domestic violence, that part I understand, but you know, the depression, the, you know, just the fact that again, just allowing people to define things and then make a decision. But I don't think a child should yeah. have to make that oh, decision, absolutely. No. you know? No, no. So, and I really like what you, t- you said about, you know, debriefing with the child as opposed to shaming them because the act has already happened right. and it makes no sense to go down that hole and make them feel badly. And, you know, you made a really good point. It leads to distrust. And I think that's a really, if, if people take nothing away but that from this, I think, you know, this has been successful. I'd say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so most, most people uh, say, Isaiah, how, how do I protect my kids from, from mm-hmm. pornography? And I, it's hard to answer that question. There's a good chance you can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 94% of kids are exposed by 14. I believe the numbers are higher by 18. It's closer to like 98%. Um, but so, so what I, what do you do? There's a storm coming, you grab an umbrella. All right. So we got to prepare our kids in case they are exposed mm. uh, and talk to, like I said before, talk to them ahead of time, give them the vocabulary they need to, 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 to express what they feel and what they've seen for younger kids. There there's a good book, good pictures, bad pictures. It, it, it kind of defines pornography in a way for kids, you know, five, six, seven, eight, 
to and who, who to that they can understand and there's an older version of the big good pictures bad pictures you can go on amazon you know how they give you referrals <laughs> different books you'll find it yeah. um but um of course internet blockers and, mm-hmm. and or accountability software so as the kids are younger internet blockers are good mm-hmm. uh, you know the kids you know teenagers mid-teenagers i recommend accountability software the difference is the internet blockers do just that Mm-hmm. lock out adult sensors adult material the the accountability software allows the children or allows anybody to go to any site but it emails a certain contacts that you put in when there are questionable websites that are accessed oh. and there's a little bit of reasoning behind this is is you want to you want to give the the children uh enough rope to hang themselves so to speak mm-hmm. while you still have sway over them while you still have some type of input in their life because if you wait till they're 18 they're going to go off to college go off to live with a roommate and they'll have un- uninterrupted access to porn and you won't see them for three months <laughs> and, and that, that's not that's not doing a, the the best job in preparing them on how to uh how to how to handle the unlimited access that the internet offers so those are some of my my uh suggestions there's all kinds of internet blockers um, Google has one, um, let's see circle by Disney. Um, and then the bark for children, bark.us and covenant eyes. Those are all, those last two are, uh, like more of accountability, uh, software. Okay. So, I'm going to write that down. Yeah. So, <laughs> covenant eyes. Yeah. Covenant eyes. That one is a faith-based one. Um, but you know, regardless of your faith or, or lack thereof, you can still use it mm-hmm. and, and he said bark.us and yes. and then circle uh, meetcircle.com is uh, is one and then the last one will be cleanbrowsing.org okay so they are blockers these so the the, the clean browsing meet circle are um i forget i'm not a huge computer guy but they block it from the ip address so okay. anybody on your internet doesn't have access bark they do have a they're a blocker and they do have mobile apps so you can protect your kids phones um, okay and likewise and then covenant eyes is the accountability software and they do have also mobile apps so you can protect the phones as well wow see i okay so i've heard of blockers but i've never heard of accountability software so that's a new one for me thank you for sharing yeah, that you're welcome yeah and it makes sense because you want to start from a place of trust and when that's violated, then you can have a conversation. Right. Yeah. And, and realistically, I uh, I have some blockers on my my computer. Well, because I have young young kids, it's hard for me to do research on pornography. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I keep getting blocked. So there are. I mean, nothing's foolproof, and some of these blockers are going to block, block legitimate sites that have nothing to do with adult content or you know especially i work in the medical field so some of the stuff are legit medical reasons why i need to access things and and it blocks it so it, it, it there is some downsides to it but the the, the benefits definitely outweigh the, the downsides oh gosh absolutely now what do you do when a young child is addicted to porn a 14 year old say is addicted to porn like what can be done to help him or her a good question so therapy is the gold standard uh therapy so um you have to find somebody who is 
um, one, good with kids, <laughs> and yeah. two, have his experience with with uh, addictions and shame, shame-based uh, like uh, therapy, because there is so much shame uh, surrounding this. Mm-hmm. So chances are the parents caught them and they don't, they don't want to be there. And so you really need to find a good, good therapist um, who, who can navigate that. So there is no easy fix. You, we're going to have to do undo a lot of stuff, but it does get better. The mm-hmm. brain does heal itself. Kind of talked before that some, the, the repeated exposure to high, high amounts of dopamine, it does change the brain. And the long, uh, and it takes about, depending on, on, on the circumstances, it can take six months up to two years for your brain to destroy all those old pathways and create new healthy pathways. So, um, you know, get, get a internet blocker and um, get into counseling and have, uh, have there's support groups. There's like uh, sexaholics anonymous. There's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of different, different aspects. So what I do, I, uh, I've been treating uh, alcohol addiction for quite some time and uh and how i got into porn is uh, over the course of about one month i'm sorry <laughs> i got into porn i got into treating porn addiction right <laughs> i understood that but i know but it's still kind of fun uh, so over the course of about a month i had about four or five guys tell me i'm no uh, for the refill for medication for medication assisted treatment regarding alcohol i no longer take this for alcohol, this medication keeps me away from porn. Wow. And I thought, huh, like that's pretty brave of the person. That was my first thought. That's pretty brave. Like yeah. uh, society frowns on porn addiction so much. I personally would rather say I'm an alcoholic than a porn addict, right? Because really? there's just so much stigma with the porn addict. You're kind of a perv. Uh, so I started, I started researching some medical journals. And sure enough, there's been medical studies done on a couple, several different medications, the, the two that we prescribe, naltrexone, and um, it is, is used to treat opiate and alcohol addiction. And how it works for pornography is it interrupts the reward system in your brain. Uh, so it, it, it limits the endorphin release from external stimuli. And how that works for porn is, it's kind of like the Pavlovian response. I open my computer for work and my brain says, computer, porn. And it automatically starts releasing dopamine because it knows what's coming, just right. like the Pavlovian, uh, the, the dog experiment. Uh, so it helps to stop that before that snowball gets going. And it has some really decent success rates. And then the second one would be uh, an SSRI, like citalopram or Zoloft, uh, you know, standard antidepressants, extremely common. Almost 15% of the population is on an antidepressant. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you know anything about it, most common side effect is sexual dysfunction, decreased libido, inability to orgasm. Those are all major side effects of antidepressants. So uh, in these medical studies, they kind of took that and used it as their advantage, like for people with sex addictions. And uh, it definitely, it shows uh, definitely some positive results in treating internet sex addiction, pornography addiction. So so I started researching, um, where can I send my patients? And I started screening for pornography because I was treating only alcohol. Like, okay, uh, on, on your intake, let's talk about pornography. How often you use it? You find it's a problem. You be, you'll be surprised on how many people are like, yes, I think it is a problem. I've tried to stop and I couldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I, I couldn't find anybody who would prescribe this medication. So obviously I locally in my private practice, I started prescribing it. Mm-hmm. And then a colleague of mine, we were talking and, and uh, we decided that this 
this is such a huge problem. We need to help uh, as many people as we can. So we partnered with a, a third-party telemedicine agency to provide telemedicine in all 50 states. So that's what we're doing. At um, So we, we have uh, access to both of these medications in all 50 states. Uh, uh, unfortunately, it's so hard treating pediatrics yeah. because of liability and, and malpractice insurance and everything. So mm-hmm. right now we're only treating 18 and up. So eventually I do want to, you know, do 16 and up or 14 and up, something like that. But so we, we only do the, the medication aspect of it, um, mm-hmm. mostly because um, that's what's missing. You know, you can Google and find a, a telemedicine uh, um, therapist for sex addiction, fairly simple, uh, or even a local one, and that there's a huge, a huge need out there for it, as far as uh, the there's, there's enough of them out there, but there is nobody who, who even is prescribing this. And if you go to your family doctor and say, hey, uh, I have a problem with pornography, they're going to send you to a therapist. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not even going to know about this medication because it's, okay. it's it's not commonly known about. So that's kind of how my story on how I got started um, doing what we do. Wow. And like I said, that is such important work, especially in today's day where it's just, this stuff is just so readily available. Like you said before, it's not like, you know, Playboy that mm-hmm. you got, you know, you saw when you went to someone's house. Right. And, um, gosh, it's just everywhere now. It's so pervasive. And and I don't think up until recently that the effects, like, you know, finding out how all this affects the rewiring or the wiring of one's brain, like that research wasn't done. So people just went about thinking, oh, it's not a big deal. But now we have science behind it. There's proof to show the long-term effects of this. So it's pretty scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you were talking about the the popularity of, of pornography. It's uh, often called the three A's: uh, affordability, anonymity, and um, what's the other one? I can't think. <laughs> think of the other one now. Affordability, anonymity, and accessibility. Mm. Those three make kind of the perfect storm. Yeah. Like there was a study in 2015 comparing the dopamine release from cocaine and from pornography, and they were similar. Those changes, and then they they did brain imaging studies of, of those patients who are addicted to each of those. Those changes in the brain were very similar, and then this this study, uh, the people people conducting the study, kind of made a a, a shocking uh, announcement, and and they said pornography is more addictive than cocaine, and they went out and said it because the changes in the brain are so similar. But the affordability, accessibility, and anonymity of porn is so perfect, makes the perfect storm that it's free. You don't have to tell anybody. That's and right. it's there all the time. That's it. You can engage in it as often as you want. So, yes. of course, which increases the dopamine, which sadly will increase all the other things like depression right. and yes. all of that. So. And, and with substance use, you know, whether it be alcohol or cocaine, there's signs, there's outwardly signs, you know, your loved ones are going to notice something eventually, you know, they're going to see at the liquor store or notice your slur in your words or something. But with pornography, by the time you notice the side effects, it's too late. Like the damage is done, not say it's too late, but the damage is done. And we, it's pretty severe at that time. Wow. Well, Mr. Isaiah Cruz, thank you so much for being here today and sharing all this important information. Now, if there is one thing you want people to leave this moment with, what would that be? Have a talk with your kids. 
and it uh, and first first thing I, uh, people say is it's going to be awkward yeah it's only awkward if you make it awkward mm-hmm. if you just say this is this is what we're going to talk about you know name the body parts the ana- the, the, the biological and an- anatomical parts of the body you, you give your kids the vocabulary have those talks because if you don't talk to them somebody you know they're going to learn it from somewhere else kids are smart the internet if you have a question the internet will answer it and the kids know that and they're going to google and they're going to find stuff that they you don't want them finding so just bite the bullet and talk to your kids wow and that is the key to so much that you know it's a protective factor for children just getting comfortable talking to your children about the things that are or you might find uncomfortable because that saves them in the long run it is yeah and, yeah. and it will be, it may be uncomfortable the first couple of times, but mm-hmm. it sends a couple of messages to your kids. One, that you love them. And two, it's okay to talk about uncomfortable things. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because they too will have children or may have children one day. Well, and- they might have some uncomfortable conversations for you and, and not sure if they're allowed to ask. That's but true. if you're, you bring up uncomfortable topics they're going to say okay i'm all we're in this family we're allowed to talk about things that are uncomfortable so i'm going to ask mom or dad next time something uncomfortable happens wow and that just up levels the trust too doesn't it when they're able to do that yeah that's awesome all right well thank you so much for being here sir i really appreciate you and all that you've offered us today yeah. So if anybody uh, has questions about what I do, uh, uh, on my website, noex.net, uh, about the our story section, you can book a free 10-minute uh, video visit, audio visit with myself, and we can talk about uh, pornography, pornography treatments, what we do, medications. It's no-x.net. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Are you on social media at all? Or Yeah. Yeah. On uh, Facebook and Instagram. Yes. Okay. No, no X telemed is what it you'll, you'll be able to find us and I can send you the, the stuff to put on your podcast. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much. Cause I mean, as we can, we need to get it out there as much as we can. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for t- spending the time to be here. I was just, I, actually, before all this, I was just like, oh, Lord, I hope we have power when this happens because I'm in Jacksonville, Florida. And okay. <laughs> I don't know if you know that Ian, yeah. or I think yeah. that's his name, oh, yeah. is, yeah, yeah. you know, about somewhere. But we've been really blessed today. It's very quiet. I don't know if it's going to, if things are going to stir up later, but it's been wonderful. So <laughs> good. good, well, good. I'm glad you're safe. Yeah, thank you. Alrighty, so be well, sir. I wish you and your family well, and hopefully we'll see you again. Yes, thank you. Okay, awesome. Thank you. Alrighty.